Seriously? Admiral? I have to make it believable. You don't look so thrilled to be back in uniform yourself. I just forgot what it felt like. Mm, once you've grown used to living by your own rules, it's not so easy to follow other people's, is it? Why are you still on Discovery, Philippa? Why are you? I see it in your eyes, Michael. You tasted freedom that you never even thought was possible. Freedom from the obligations of what others needed you to be. I'm not sure you ever knew who you really were without someone else to tell you, but you're starting to. And this place no longer feels like your place. Am I getting warm? a gay Star Trek podcast. I am one of your hosts, Johnson, and with me is Mike Thurlow, my co-host. Mike, how are you doing today? How was your weekend? I'm good. Weekend was uh, was good, I think. Yeah, mostly. Yeah. Nothing, you know. notable? What'd you do? Uh, I mean, notable. I, I think that this was a particularly notable weekend. Oh, that's right. Yes, <laughs> yes. No. Uh, yes. Our election finally more or less came to a conclusion. A conclusion, yes. Of some sort. Of some, yes. I Part mean, one of the resolution. Yeah. Ballots are still being counted, but. Yes. You know, but that will is, never end. Uh, we have a president or we, we have, have a president-elect, president thankfully. Um, what were you doing yeah. when the news broke? I was actually working my second job and uh, on a Zoom. And yeah. they said, I'm hearing cheers outside of my window and then all of a sudden outside of my window i heard this big you know those big plastic blow horns oh my god someone blew that and i was like okay like, what's and, happening? Then I, and then i went right to the news and i saw 284 and i was like i actually to be perfectly honest i started crying oh wow look at you yeah. i was uh yeah i was very emotional wow yeah wow. um yeah that was the first thing I wasn't like cheering, you know, I mean, I was cheering after, but I was just, mm -hmm. I think it was a lot of relief to be honest. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah. And actually talking about it, it's making me a little emotional right now, but wow. Um, yeah, feelings. I know. Yes. I am not the, the Vulcan that you are. Yeah. So I was, uh, I was brushing my teeth and I was like, why, why did I hear noise? Because people were honking. I was like, what's going on? And I didn't even make a connection. I was like, oh, people are just being like, you know, kind of, they're just making a ruckus outside, whatever. That happens all the time. It's New York City. Um, and then I, and then I, after I woke up, because I woke up late. You were waking up. I was like 1130. You, you woke up to brush your teeth. Yeah, I brushed my teeth. You know, I put on my face, whatever. And then I looked at my phone and I was like, oh, okay. I guess that explains it. And I was like, this is great. Yeah, yeah. So it was great. And there were still a lot of cheers all over the city. Uh, Times Square was alive with cheers. And there was a lot, there were a lot of people at Columbus Circle, which is where. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I heard about it. So yeah. 
it was a lot. I, I didn't want to go outside actually. It was like an introvert's nightmare. Um, but <laughs> yeah. uh, I was like, yay, from inside. I was like, yeah. And I didn't, I don't like, I also don't like to open a windows. So I was like, you know, I don't want to cheer or anything. So I just celebrate it internally. There you go. Yeah. But we are happy. happy. I was happy. Yeah. yeah. Good, good. But I didn't, uh, you know, there was, I think there was a little bit of relief and I was, I was texting with a lot of people. Uh, I still didn't cry, but you know, it was still. I'm a cry. I'm a, I'm a crier once in a while. Yeah. uh, I get emotional. It was good news. Good news. So, so there we go. I mean, that was the big news of the weekend. Uh, some sad news this morning, but um, Alex Trebek Alex passed Trebek, away yeah, sad. Uh, after fighting prostate stage four prostate cancer, which um, being an well, Apple he was, guy- still, he was still going through chemo, I thought. And then even yesterday, there was like this, um, it wasn't like a headline. It was like an article I saw about how this Jeopardy contestant was like, oh, Alex, you is because of you that I learned English. And I was like, oh, that's so sweet. And yeah. then today he's dead. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah, sad. I mean, that's the second big, I mean, you know, prostate cancer, I think, uh, also killed Steve Jobs. So, um, yeah, yeah. Oh. So, uh, stage four, or no, sorry, it's not prostate cancer, it's pancreatic cancer. Oh, pancreatic cancer, that's so, not yeah, that's yeah. Bad. Uh, pancreatic cancer that's is bad. Bad. very highly deadly. So, yeah, it was really sad. Um, and once again, I, I sent I sent the news to a couple of friends, and I was like, once again, we're reminded that it's still 2020. I know this year, but uh, yeah. So otherwise, than that, you know, uh, pretty went out to dinner last night with Dennis after work after he got home from work, mm-hmm. uh, and yeah, just uh, yeah, a lot of people out, still a lot of cheering at night as well. And it was also a gorgeous weekend. Yeah, I, yeah, seventies so degree, seventies nice. yeah. in November. Take, yeah. I'll take it. It was really nice. Yeah, yeah. So. I did go for a celebratory five k run after <laughs> I heard the news. So. Is that celebratory? It sounds sounds like pain. I, I mean, I was inspired to go run. I mean, I was, you know, it was good. I'd be like, time for a celebratory nap. <laughs> yeah well i mean you work out at 1 a.m and i, I work out during yeah, normal hard. business hours Crazy. so yeah so that was the weekend um and, and i know you had some other stuff going on which we can talk about later on but uh when we visit deanna but uh yeah yeah um so what did you star trek so it's been a, well first of all let's back up so it's been probably two weeks since we've done a full full episode maybe even three weeks uh, where we've done a full full episode yeah well the first two episodes of discovery were more kind of like short takes it was more like a quick reaction right versus here where we're doing kind of more of a full deep dive i would say yeah so it has been i would say yeah two or three weeks um since we actually done all our segments and such right well so that said so we've got a lot to catch up on on what did you star trek yeah, you know, Star Trek, um, I have been chucking along with Enterprise season four. Season four. <laughs> so coming along. Yes, yes. Um, I'm also still reading the Millennium series. I'm almost done with book one. Okay. So, yeah. I've been actually getting there. But I think that's actually been it. I, you know, I've been watching Discovery and enterprise and i've been doing like a few other things i redid my fish tank um that's been occupying my time 
So yeah, I would say that's the extent of Star Trek for me. What about you? What have you been Star Trekking? Yeah, I would say uh, I've, I've watched a few more episodes of Voyager. I oh, jumped wow. ahead to the penultimate episode of season six, which was The Haunting of Deck 12, because our mighty and esteemed executive producers over at Trek Geeks covered that episode. So whenever they cover a specific episode, I like to go and watch the episode so that I can understand be more active in the listening of Mm -hmm. what they're talking about so i I watched that and then i jumped back to season five so i'm still in season five early season five i watched um the episode where seven of nine had multiple personalities infinite regrets yes and then uh the one after that that i watched was oh 30 days and then I started watching Counterpoint. So I skipped a few. I skipped the Nothing Human episode. I mean, you know, when I'm, Balana's not my favorite character on Voyager. So wait, which was Counterpoint again? Remind me. Uh, Voyager moves through a sector controlled by a race that's suspicious of tele- telepathic life forms. So they, so I've started watching it. They put them in the transporter buffer while they're being inspected. Uh, okay. But I've really gotten to the part in the story it. where uh, they are learning that it's causing cellular degradation. And so they don't know that they can do it again. Okay. okay. That's as far as I got. So that's episode 10 of the season. I, I skipped a couple episodes, mainly like the shuttle crashing episode and the one where Balana goes crazy and takes extreme risk. And then uh something some other Bolana episode nothing human and i just yeah so i'm still like i skip a few here or there but i you know um some Bolana's okay i i don't think she was like my favorite character but she also wasn't like my least favorite character on voyager yeah i don't don't know i don't think they did much with her to be honest i don't i don't think they i mean maybe at the beginning there were some stuff particularly given that she was a maquis and you know there was a little bit of that drama in terms of her integration into uh federation was, starship yeah and then the klingon side so they overplayed the klingon right. side a little bit in the earlier seasons where she, her anger was an issue um maybe even just early early in the first season but um, and then there was that weird episode where she went to basically klingon hell do you remember that one yeah yeah i did i actually didn't watch that one I don't um, think ship of the dead or whatever. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Um, yeah, I skipped over that one again. You know, I, I I like Klingon lore to some extent. I mean, Next Gen kind of did that quite well with Worf mm-hmm. and did it even more so in DS9. So by Voyager time, I'm not really that into it. And a half Klingon, half human um, woman, uh, you know, who's chief engineer. And always seems to be angry. Just isn't my favorite character. I, I, you know, she's a great addition. She's part of the crew, and I am. I'm, you know, I like her in that sense. But mm-hmm. I don't need any. I'm not really gonna focus too strongly on a, a Balana centric episode because mm-hmm. um, it's just not an episode uh, character that I identify with really all that much. So sure. Um. So that's pretty much it. Other than just watching Discovery, and I've I've rewatched the this season three so far. Even uh, I'm and I'm still continuing going through season two as well when I have time. So I did do some 
uh, season two rewatch. I'm mm-hmm. kind of was in the middle of that when the season started, but sure, uh, sure. yeah, so that's pretty much it. I, I did download uh, Doctor's Orders by Diane, Diane Duane, and uh, I'm reading that a little bit sometimes at night. Um, and when but, is the Titan novel coming out again? Q1? Yeah, so in January, we'll get the Star Trek Picard prequel with the Titan. Mm. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, yeah, uh, but no other Star Trek right now. There's no, I think there might be an audiobook coming out maybe this week um, from the original series. Uh, okay. uh, there's also some other books that I'm interested in coming out this week as well. So, um, but yeah, I think that's pretty much the extent of my Star Trek this week or in the last few weeks actually yeah. and we we told our we've updated our listeners kind of in the last episode about what's been going on in our personal lives and why the discovery season three episode two podcast episode took its time to get out so you know it's not surprising that we really haven't had a ton of time to watch or do much of star trek except the new episodes of discovery so yeah um but other days than that, oh, and I've been listening to the pod directive, although the oh, last yeah. couple of I've episodes, been to a few episodes here and there. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and Not I do last week's when they interviewed like an environmentalist or yeah, something. Bill McKinnon. I'm actually in the middle of that one. I think the weekend, the week before that one, I haven't listened to um, it because it's that one didn't interest me. Samantha Krista Ferrati Ferridi. Um I can't listen to that one either. I she's an astronaut from what I recall. Oh. Uh, um oh maybe or not. Oh yep, she did. You may know Samantha Christo Ferretti from her famous cosplay of Catherine Janeway on the International Space Station. I am not familiar with that. No, I'm not. Uh but interesting. So yeah, I haven't listened to that episode yet either, but I do enjoy, I mean, I do enjoy it when it's kind of like the Tigner Taro, which we've talked about episode was really good. Yeah, I like that one. I really like the one where they had an interview with Stacey Abrams as well. I was just going to say that one was really good. And that, that was happened. really good. Stacey Abrams is a complete nerd. I was like, this is crazy. Yeah. Be able to just like rattle off like very specific episode plot lines. I was like, goodness. She knows her stuff. Yeah, she does. She and politics, apparently. And politics, and uh, she's a superstar right now because she got over eight hundred thousand people in Georgia re- uh, registered to vote. So, wow, yeah. uh, we are very thankful to her for her work. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's great that she's such a Star Trek nerd as well. No, oh my goodness, that was so great. awesome, so awesome. Um, so yeah, so that's basically what I did for What Did You Star Trek? Uh, I think it's time for some Spilling the Trek. Yeah, because we have two episodes to talk about. So let's Okay, well, let's spill some Trek. I always knew that I would see you again. Yeah, I keep having this like image of you. You're like holding a dandelion. And you blow on it. And the seeds, they go. You let us go, didn't you? Cool. So why don't we start first with People of Earth, which is episode three of season three. 
Do you have the memory alpha summary up to? The I have the CBS, the CBS all access brief, oh, which works. I think is pretty good. Sure. Finally reunited Burnham and the USS Discovery journey to earth, eager to learn what happened to the Federation in their absence. So yeah, we're very back. short, very, very short and sweet. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's actually a really good, I like it because I like their synopsis. Yeah, they're concise and they're not spoilerific. Well, do you want to go first and tell tell us a little bit about your high level thoughts of people of Earth? Yeah, so I really liked this episode. Um, so there were a few things going on in this episode that I liked. One of the things I liked was how Michael was basically reintegrating into the discovery. And I thought that that was well done. I mean, the thing is like, we've only seen like, she's been absent for one episode. So for her, it's been a year in character time. Uh, but it was still kind of cool to see that, you know, even though we haven't seen her just for one episode, she's changed since then. Obviously she has really, really long hair. I'm like, I don't know if she can grow that much hair in a year, but sure, why not? Um, but just the way that she was interacting with the crew was different. She had that, really great conversation. It was short, but it was that really great conversation with Tilly, where Tilly was in the hallway and Tilly was kind of like, it, it was kind of like a memory wall of sorts. Um, and Tilly just, the way that Tilly kind of articulated how she feels that in the, even though they haven't seen Michael, you know, I guess for a little while, Michael hasn't seen them in a year. And given that it's been a year, she's kind of let them go in a way. And Tilly, for, first of all, for Tilly to recognize that, was really great why exactly yes no sorry yeah i was like right on the nose that's totally my thought exactly with that oh okay <laughs> i was like why I was are you so like, excited why are sorry. you like making wild motions with your hands sorry um, i was so excited because i was like oh my god he's saying exactly what i felt yeah well. no, it was great that uh tilly was able to perceive that and then michael didn't have anything to say because it was true like she it was a little awkward and she she just had this you know expression of sadness you know it was sadness and uh recognition that this was you know that this was real um so i thought this was like these are the kind of moments that i live for like i love these like small character moments that are just very insightful and just show character growth um you know like i love these conversations when they ha when they happen and this is also why i really liked some of the quieter moments of episode four as well, not to jump ahead, but some of these are character building moments, recognizing that characters change and they don't remain static and these things impact them um, you know, for better or for worse. Uh, and these are things that they have to process. And as a result, relationships change as well. Uh, you know, I love it when they slow down and because again, Discovery, I know we've said this before, Discovery is a very fast paced show. Uh, so when they do slow down and kind of give these characters and their interactions some room to breathe, um, you know, I really like it a lot. So yeah, I, I, I really like that aspect of the episode. Um, even, um, you know, Michael's interactions with Emperor Giorgio, Philippa, you know, like, and she also recognizing in a different way from Tilly, but also recognizing that that the, the discovery seems in some ways much smaller than it used to be uh, because she's been able to kind of just operate as a free agent for a year. 
um, where she could just see it in her eyes that, you know, that she's in a different place, you know? I really like that a lot. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, like the United Earth stuff, I was very curious about, you know, what Earth was gonna look like um, in this time period. And it was fine. I mean, it didn't really look that different, even like when we, at the end of the episode, when we panned back, I was like, all right. So the solar panels are still, you know, on the Golden Gate Bridge. It doesn't even look that different than what wow. we saw in Picard, really. Yeah, it looks exactly the same. Uh, Actually, probably a little better, actually. It looked like whatever had happened to Earth over that time, it actually looked better than it did 800 years before in Picard. I mean, I didn't compare side by side, but it didn't look that much like more futuristic. Like there was like, all right, there are shuttlecraft, you know, the Golden Gate Bridge is still there. Right. It doesn't, I mean, the buildings are futuristic, but they already looked futuristic. So I don't know. It didn't really seem like, oh, we jumped a thousand years forward, you know, for me. Right. Uh, yeah. But so it didn't really seem that different, especially uh, compared to what, again, I'm quoting Enterprise when Daniels, who was from the 31st century, said basically told Trip that Earth is essentially unrecognizable. I was like, all right, looks pretty much the same. I mean, like, it's obviously a little bit different now that Federation headquarters isn't there anymore. Starfleet headquarters, rather. But yeah, it you know, it didn't blow me away or anything, but I thought that was fine. I thought that, you know, some of the, uh, some of the narrative plot points with Captain Andoye and that bandit when, and things like that, they were, those were fine. Yeah, that was fine. Uh, but what did you think about the episode? Yeah, I think you, you called out some really key moments there with character. Uh, it was nice. You could really tell on Michael Burnham's face that she was uncomfortable. Oh Yeah. For sure. uh, and uh, I think I think it's realistic. I really felt like it was realistic. I mean, she did. She did. She was away for a year. I mean, she thought that maybe they didn't make it through the wormhole mm-hmm. that, you know, who knows, maybe they dumped out it 100 years beforehand and, you know, never to um, never to come back, you know, right. so she had she, to like move on. She had to move on. And yeah. yeah. Uh, so I, I think that that was really evident and I, I agree. Like, I think that what discovery is doing is really great with character development on all levels. And, uh, you know, we definitely see a lot more of that in episode four, but Mm. here in episode three, it's definitely, um, apparent that Michael's changed. The crew has just kind of come through a, a rocky episode, right. Where they, you know, they've been working hard and pulling the ship back together and, uh, and everything like that. Uh, you know, the other, the other thing right off the bat, you know, other than the, the kind of prologue, which was Burnham's kind of year mm-hmm. before she, she reunited with them. The, I thought that the scene in the transporter room was really touching. Uh, and They're all if, just hugging and catching up. Yeah. And I, and I feel like that would have been, that would have been a great scene to kind of do like scene one of day one of shooting for this third season would have been, it would, that would have been, I mean, it came across the same way, but that's how I felt. Like, like I really wondered if they did that maybe on day one where, she, mm. you know, they, they met up and like, that was could capture that kind of genuine, like, Oh, it's great to see you. Mm-hmm. It's been so long um, kind of feeling, but they did a great job with that. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, Burnham and uh, Philippa's interaction was interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't, you know, I, I really thought when they were talking, it was like, interesting, maybe, 
um, maybe she's going to be separate from the discovery. Maybe she's going to go off on her own a little bit more, which. Well, actually, we didn't talk about. No, we didn't. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about that being. And then clearly I was wrong and you were were wrong. I was wrong. And I'm happy. You know, I'm happy to be wrong. And and I think I I actually re-listened to our episode again. And I, you know, I think about season three predictions. Or yeah, no, I listened to last week's episode just on episode two. Oh, that, that. Because I did yes. predict that I thought that it was going to be the Michael. And I listened to everything you said, and it made more and more sense. But it also made sense that, like, when I heard myself say, like, I don't really, it doesn't really matter to me. Like, I'm along for the ride. And I thought that this was a really nice, nice key moment. Although uh, the follow-up conversation was even more interesting because Saru is mad at her for not even considering being captain. And so I thought that was really interesting as well. Uh, so it was, it was great to see the moments with Saru and Michael, but obviously mm-hmm. that first moment where she clearly says, you got this crew and this ship through, the captaincy is yours, uh, was a really nice moment. And um, so, yeah, I... I and I see the value of having Saru be captain. I just I, thought it was kind of awkward because she was kind of telling Saru this in front of the entire crew as if it was some, like she was kind of just making this like unilateral decision that he was captain now and kind of designating him. You know, here's your gold star. I don't know. I feel that that could have been a conversation done in private. And then... Well, know. Saru wanted to do it in private, right? And he... True. And she said there's no need because there she didn't feel like there needed well, to be. Well, I feel like Saru was thinking that they would have to like duke it out, right? That they would need to kind of like yeah. discuss in detail. Right. And um, I think but... she was right to hand it over to him. And clear, you know, because clearly the, you know, my prediction and my thoughts are based upon the woman I saw in episode one, right? Who had just gotten through the wormhole. And honestly, like I really thought that it was only going to be four months at most because of the length of time between the red angel signal that Spock and the enterprise see at the end of season two. So I think that that, that whole thing coupled together, mm-hmm. I, I didn't realize that we were going to be a year later and I, and I liked how they kind of played it out and, and said, you know, she had to do a lot of things that were probably not Starfleet mm-hmm. um, that were not Federation up to federation standards to kind of survive and she was all alone you know fortunately she did have book to to kind of get along with and to be part be partners with Mm -hmm. uh and in this episode i think it was really clear that they've got a good friendship and there's a little bit of uh sexual tension if it were to some extent um but I and I also got the feeling that she really did more in the loss of discovery. Right. You know, so I think that all of that kind of played together. But yeah, her giving up the captaincy totally made sense. It made sense. Yeah. Yeah. It also made sense to what you're saying, where she wasn't even sure about her role on the discovery and Suru kind of being like, but I want you to be my number one, you know, number one or whatever. Right. And you know, it took her a while to even kind of process that and figure out if that's something that she really wanted. She wanted right. Yeah. 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 I think that there's, um, so there's a lot of great character moments with uh, Michael and Saru in this episode. And each time their, their conversations are, 
I mean, I think it was, this episode was heavily Saru and Michael in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the other, obviously the other part of this episode that's of note really is what's going on in engineering. Mm-hmm. And uh, us getting introduced to Adira. Yeah, us getting a- introduced to Adira. And uh, yeah, our Star Trek's first non-binary character and also non-binary. Well, not yet, I think. Right. We'll yeah. About yeah. We'll talk a little bit more about it in the next episode, but yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, I think right now she's at this point in the story, she's just identifying as she. A woman. Yeah, yeah. As, as a she, or she's okay with she. Uh, yeah. So, but um, yeah, being seventeen, and she she looks like she's seventeen. Oh, so young. I can't. Yeah. Uh, and if you read a little bit about Blue Del Barrio, she did just get this role right out of drama school so um i think it's her first professional role yeah so uh yeah it was you know but heavily saru and michael Mm -hmm. episode for sure uh obviously the introduction and then this whole earth conflict which was also i also really like the play play between michael and book especially when they're actually when they leave the discovery and they're they're going off book yeah exactly uh yeah yeah so i thought that there was some nice uh nice moments there them on the bridge of his ship talking Mm -hmm. and and you know just the witty banter i could you know i really like that so i I, i'm excited to see more of book hopefully i'm sure we're gonna see more of him yeah um so yeah i thought that you know overall this was a really strong episode you know, one of my favorite parts of this episode. I mean, there are so many favorite parts, but really, I really did enjoy the the bridge crew at on, down on Earth at the end, uh, revisiting the tree. The tree yeah, yeah, uh, and having that moment to kind of reconnect to a place that's a thousand years in the past for them, or uh, not a thousand years in the past for them, but a thousand years in the past for everyone else. Right. And, so I thought that that was a really, um, and, and they, the the actors did a really great job of just milking that and, and really living that out and, and saying, you know, sharing their memories of this tree and just smiling. And like, it was really believe like the acting on this show is top notch, but uh, you know, after seeing the behind the scenes when they're like basically hugging a green screen in a, in a <laughs> park, uh, you know, there's a green screen, there's a green, tr- green trunk that's on the ground that they, that they sit on that Bryce and um, uh, I can't think of her name. Uh, the woman who played Aaron, uh, Arium. Who's now oh, I don't remember. The, Peelson, the blonde, Peelson, the blonde, the blonde yeah, woman, Peelson, Lieutenant Peelson. I, I, so um, wait, she's like the the spore drive manager. She pushes the button. She, I, I guess, or she's, <laughs> she's part of the command crew. I, I you know, I think yeah. they they kept her on. I mean, well, she, she doesn't she doesn't say anything in episode four when they're at the at the dinner. I think she. I don't think she has a, a line. No, I, I mean she's obviously kind of come into. She's kind of a secondary, secondary like line. She's kind of like Linus level. She's Linus like was at the dinner. Linus has more lines than her. Uh, She's D-list. Um, but she does sit in the command chair uh, and, and manage manage a watch. So she's kind of a, in that command track level, kind of like Arium was. So, um, 
whatever that position is now who knows um so yeah uh but i yeah overall i thought it was a really strong episode i actually enjoyed rewatching it last night and um yeah it's uh you know it's it's scary real how this xenophobic earth is in comparison to how much uh what's going on in in our world today i think especially in our Mm. country you know this xenophobic um afraid gotta protect what we have right um, well that's right human it's very like yeah it's definitely human um but i uh i did oh and one other moment that really i really enjoyed was when giorgio um said this diplomacy is so slow and she just kicked him in the knee and brought him down and then pulled off his helmet um which yeah, i thought I was too. so so giorgio but also like thank you for moving things along like yeah uh yeah but it yeah it, there it, there really was nothing bad about this episode. There's nothing I didn't like. Like it was, it was probably one, it was probably the best written episode I've like solid from top to bottom, like not a word wasted, not a scene unnecessary, you know, anything. I really thought did a great job with it. So yeah, uh, it's clear. Yeah, I don't, I don't really have any, I don't, I don't really have any complaints either. I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think if I had any issues with this episode. I don't really think so. I I would just wish that Earth looked more different. It was it looked more drastically different than however you remember it, but it's fine. It looked very familiar to me. I mean, I wish we got more a little bit more of the shot of the Earth ships, which looked kind of interesting and and different. Uh, so like on Earth, Earth, or are you talking about the uh, the Earth defense ships? So oh, okay. oh yeah, I don't even remember what they looked like to be honest. Yeah, they they I don't even know how to describe them, but uh, yeah, they look different. So I'm you know. Oh, and the other thing uh, that we did learn from this episode, we learned a little more about the burn and Delithium, where basically it went inert first or the majority of it went inert first before it exploded. <laughs> so I thought that was interesting. Yeah, and even... Uh, uh, and it was like simultaneous across the galaxy or at least wherever. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so... Yeah, that is really interesting. And even Stamets kind of commented on that's not possible. So, uh, you know, that was that was good to... Um, you know, obviously, Giorgio crooks back that... It was that remark is coming from someone who pilots us on a spore, microspore yeah. or what you know, microcellular yeah. highway. So yeah, whatever. Um, but I thought it was an, a good point. Like he, he's right; it it doesn't seem logical that all dilithium went inert first and then exploded, and then exploded. So yeah. interesting. But I also wonder if. Um, we're making more of the second part of that. The fact that dilithium went inert is the dilithium. The question I guess I have is, is dilithium kind of the stabilizer between the anti-matter and matter um, drives? So is that what the, so when it goes, so when it goes inert, it's an uncontrolled reaction, uncontrolled reaction. I'm wondering if that's kind of the basis of um, dilithium. 
I don't know enough about engineering to really say like the fake engineering of Star fake Trek. engineering of Star Trek. Yes. So yeah, I think it controls the particle stream like that that happens in the warp core between matter and antimatter. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's what it's supposed to do anyway. Yeah. So that would make sense if it went inert. Then of course things would blow up because yeah. you'd have an uncontrolled reaction of matter and antimatter. Yeah. But I guess yeah. we'll learn more eventually. Hopefully we will. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think we'll see more in episode five, which we'll get to obviously after we talk about episode four, but anything else yeah. about people of earth that you'd like to talk about, or shall we move on to episode four? I think that we can move on to episode four. Forget me not. Tal accepted each of us. Joining made us more than we could ever be alone. And while a human joining is unusual, Tal accepts you as well. You're... You're son of Tal. Welcome to the circle. So why don't you start with this one? What do you think of this episode? Sure. Well, let me read you the the little blip. Oh, yeah. Forgive me. Forgive me not. So Burnham and Adira visit the Trill homeworld in hopes of unlocking the secrets trapped within Adira's mind. Back on the USS Discovery, Saru's efforts to help the crew reconnect with one another takes a surprising turn. My thoughts on this one uh, were it's another strong episode, really. I, Mm -hmm. I enjoyed both storylines i wouldn't even say that this is an a plot and a b plot i would say that we have two a plots here um you know obviously that unlock helping adira unlock her memories of senatal is important i liked the opening exchange with everyone in the in the med bay and sick bay uh talking about you know she you know and adira calls it a squid uh not a symbiote and uh but has no memory of of anything. She has zero memories, which is interesting from a year up to a year ago. So I thought that was really interesting. Like, how does that all, how, you know, how do you lose all of your memories? But uh, obviously it gets sort of explained later on. I, I, it just sounded I, like it was because of a traumatic experience that was essentially blocked off. Blocked off everything though. Like, I don't know. It's sci-fi, whatever. Yeah, for the drama. Yeah. So you know, obviously, I so I enjoyed the the trill storyline of this. It took me a while. So when we first meet the trill on their planet with Michael and Adira, I'm looking at the leader Pav, and I'm like, where do I know this actress from? Where? Where? It bothered me for like 15 minutes until I finally figured out that she's on. She was on Shit's Creek. Oh, okay. I've never, I've only seen like two episodes. Of I, uh, it's, so. You, it's so worth it. I love that show. Um, Everyone rants about it. So yeah. So it took me a while to see, figure out who that was when we met her. Cause it, it but she was uh, not funny in this episode. Well, no, no. Her job, <laughs> yeah, her role in this, this episode was not funny at all. Um, <laughs> So I thought it was really interesting that Trill is going to going. One, we learned that Trill is going through this shortage of uh, hosts, which is interesting. Which is interesting because if you, I don't know if you recall that episode of DS9 when 
Jetzia needs to go back to Trill because she's having like a few medical issues. And es- essentially what happened was, so do you remember Jetzia had like a, it was like either her fifth or sixth host was a secret because he was a murderer, Duran. Yes, yes, I do so, remember that. Yeah. So basically what's revealed in this part, I don't remember the title of, I should have probably done research before this podcast, but um, basically she goes back to Trill uh, and it's found out that she had this other host um, or rather Dax had this other host. And what is also revealed in this episode is that a much larger percentage of the Trill population is actually able to be hosts than is, than is publicized. And the reason why is because, so, so basically the whole idea of being a Trill host is that it's very, it's very exclusive, right? Right. You have to like be excellent in everything, every field. Like you have to be really successful. You have to have a good reputation. Like, and, and you get, you get, you go through tests, right? You, right. um, basically have to qualify to be the best of the best. And you need to also uh, show that you, and you also need to have like the right, I guess, genetic makeup or something like that. But it's all, uh, it's, it's all false because the thing is that a lot, I think in the episode, they said like over half of the total population can actually serve as hosts, but they don't publicize that because if, that many people, if people knew that that many people could be hosts, given how many symbiotes are actually available, um, they would get fought over and there would be like a black market for like symbiotes and stuff like that. So I thought that was interesting because that's not really, that doesn't really seem to be reflected here because on, I mean, that at least the reality of it, because based upon what is articulated in this episode, it sounds like many of the people, many of the trills that would be candidates seem to have been killed after right. the burn. Yeah. So now they think that, oh, like, you know, actual candidates, there aren't enough candidates for the symbiotes, you know? Right. But yeah. in reality, it might be, at least based upon that DSN episode, it may be many more people than they realize. Hmm. Interesting, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think we left with a little more questions and answers from the trill perspective yeah and it seems to also have become much more at least um in ds9 there was definitely like a kind of it was like kind of it was kind of sacred but now it seems to be much more religious at least from how it seemed in this episode by the Um, way did you notice the the did you think that when they first landed when michael and adira first landed and they're walking towards the garden you see something fly out of the water and jump back uh-huh. in did you uh-huh. think that that was a symbiote no it was a fish it was like a flying fish or something oh okay all right my thought was that it was a symbiote for some no, reason that's incorrect okay i also thought it was interesting that they didn't transport and they decided to take the shuttle um i don't know if that's because going back to tng and the episode the host which is when we were introduced to odan i think that's his name do you yeah. remember yeah, um, and that's when we first discover that you know the trills are symbiotes or whatever. Um, they because Odon, who is the name of the host, not the symbiote, um, he didn't he didn't like transporting or something like that, right? And eventually, it's discovered that it's because he's carrying a symbiote that he can't 
transport. But that was never an issue for Dax, for Jadzia. I don't know. But I was right. like, why are they taking a shuttle? Why don't they just transport down? Yeah, I don't know that, that is interesting. I mean, that could be part of the issue is that they don't know that, you know, disrupts the, the connection between the, the host and the... Also, I mean, we're talking about 900-year-old technology uh, transporting a, mm-hmm. transporting a symbiote, so it's and hard it's also to... a human and uh, yeah symbiote. Not... I mean, I think it makes sense That's to trans. Yeah, I, I imagine that maybe what we didn't see was a discussion saying you should take the shuttle down, not transport down. I don't know. It just reminded uh, me of that episode. Yeah, no, that's a good call. Um, yeah, I mean, and also Michael and Saru have a very short conversation about the fact that the trill are a joined species because they didn't know that before. They didn't know that. Yeah, they didn't know that. So, um, Which is good. I was like, okay, thank God. Yeah, so there was some maintaining of some some canon yeah. Or some previously established things uh, in Star Trek, but then again, we don't understand the whole issue with um, with their the population of hosts not being uh, big enough to handle all of the the potential. Symbiotes. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. Um, yeah, that was this... that was specifically addressed in DS Nine. That yeah, you know, uh, I mean, things obviously could have changed in eight hundred years. So yeah. Uh, so yeah, we don't really we don't really get a lot of information about Trill itself, mm-hmm. uh, you know. But of course, we wouldn't. I mean, this is the Discovery show, and it's not you know Star Trek Discovery. It's not Star Trek Trill. <laughs> so we're not you know they're not the main character. I mean, it does leave a lot of questions, and maybe maybe some of the um, maybe some of it will be covered in a future book or whatever, but. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I, you know, I thought that the, the whole pools or the caves of Makala. I think so. I think that sounds correct. Uh, I thought that whole scene was, was really interesting. Uh, and, uh, also, you know, that Michael was helping Adira kind of work through her memories. Mm -hmm. I thought that was really, really good, um, as well. My 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 question, and maybe this is a question that obviously we don't have an answer to, is the scene at the end where Gray is there with her, and I don't understand why. Like, what about this whole thing? She Adira didn't tell Michael what that she's seeing Gray or that she loved. I thought she she talked about her love of Gray. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, that wasn't what. Well, I mentioned to you basically. Well, first of all, I was surprised that Gray is basically a force ghost, and <laughs> yeah. he's dead. Right, he is dead. So I thought that that was. I did not expect that. I thought that he would kind of be like a regular crew member. I didn't expect him to kind of, you know, yeah. you know, ghost. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, like, what did you think about that whole setup story? Um, you know, what what do you think about all that? I mean, you know, I, I, I think they're on a generation ship. I don't know how Gray got the symbiote. Like, I don't, I mean, obviously, Senatal died. Mm-hmm. The symbiote was implanted into Gray. And, and wasn't then, it a, like an Earth generation ship? I, I thought so. But so why, I why are there trills on it? 
I, exactly. I, there's a lot, there's a lot of questions here. I don't, you know, yeah. I don't know the answer. You don't see, you see the medical robots, you see the asteroid, which I thought was a really cool effect. You, if you pay attention, you see the asteroid coming. Yeah, yeah. And but I'm the like, ship. do they not have like deflector shields? shields? Deflect like where, or, yeah, or a deflector dish, which usually deals with stuff like this. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I'm like, what's what's why is this happening? So yeah, I would say that there yeah, there are a few questions like that. Um, and then it's like, are they gonna even? How do you even broach the whole thing that that Gray is transgender? Is that even of substance now that he's a force ghost? I mean, that's a great like, question. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Unless they maybe like it's a flashback or something. I have no idea. The way that Star Trek.com kind of portrayed it, right, is we know that Ian Alexander is transgender, is a transgender actor. Correct. Uh, and they are playing a transgender character. But right now we only know them as a character. We don't know why... This There'd transgender be, part of it is not in the equation yet. Yeah, the, it's not. Is we have not been. Yeah, we don't understand that transgender piece of it in the terms mm -hmm. of the show. Right. Uh, the same with blue. Blue is non-binary, uh, but we don't know that about Adira because they do use she. They do refer to Adira as she Correct. throughout this episode. So we don't know the non-binary the journey for this character to non-binary or what that's going to look like. Mm -hmm. uh, so, and, and also my thoughts are on this, at least in this whole idea is that uh, it's based upon the fact that when you inhabit all, when you have all of those beings, all those hosts inhabit you, do you, do you lose your kind of, you, even though, Adira and Gray kind of talk out the fact that, you know, they're, a, Gray is still Gray, but he's, they are also everyone else. Mm -hmm. There was something that Gray said, something about, I'm still, I'm them and I'm still one or something like that. I can't remember how he put it exactly. But um, so, you know, I'm wondering if the, the non-binary journey for Adira will be the fact that she's kind of integrating all of these different beings into who she is. Right. So I don't know, but so right now we just know them as characters slash actors. We know them as their gender and or non-gender selves as actors, but we don't see that reflected in the characters yet. Yeah. So. I mean, this is, in, this is an interesting discussion because, you know, obviously Jazia had you know Jezia and Esri were also good case studies for this but both of them continue to identify as female after they were joined with their symbiotes um in fact I think that because there were quite a few episodes focusing on Dax and it was elaborated that the the identities of the symbiote you know add to the host's identity but you know by no means are they overriding the host. As long as the host is properly prepared, like prepared to right. become a host, there there really shouldn't be a reason why. You know, I, I think if you, I think there was an episode where they talked about if you're not prepared and you were just joined, it could be very overwhelming. And well, and Esri wasn't. It doesn't happen to Esri. Yeah. Right. So, which is also interesting because I thought about that with in terms of Adira. Adira wasn't ready either. Right. So th thus the 
what I think is explains the disjointedness of her loss of memory, like, mm-hmm. and maybe Tal is protecting her. The, you know, what's that? The trauma, the trauma of the event. Yeah, uh, happened to Gray. Right. Um, probably also contributed to that. But I do think that it is interesting because obviously this is not exactly the same as someone who is non-binary, like, you know, in terms of how they self-identify. It is it is in some ways resonant and it's like analogous, but in some ways it's not because you're talking about um, a situation where someone ha- literally has like all these other identities within them. Right. And we're assuming that that is Blue's, um, not Blue, Adira's journey where right. she begins to integrate these other identities into her own. And then she identifies, self-identifies as non-binary. That is not exactly the same process as, you know, people like humans um, go through this experience and understanding that they don't belong to one specific gender identity. Um, You know, it's analogous. It's, you know, if anything, it's a metaphor uh, but I do wonder if this, you know, I, if, if this, because, you know, I do know that a lot of people were, you know, people in the LGBTQ community were very excited about, oh, like a non-binary character is going to be on Star Trek. If this lessens it somehow, because it's almost like, oh, she's in this like weird situation, you know, she has all these other like, like, you know, minds in herself, you know, all these other identities in herself. And she's not, you know, because of that, she, she's non-binary versus what a non-binary person, like the actual ex- normal experience, quote unquote, normal experience of a non-binary person goes through to realize that they are non-binary and then choose to identify as non-binary. It's, it's not exactly like one-to-one, you know? So I do wonder if, for some people, this was a disappointment. Um, if that is ultimately the path in which she, you know, goes down. Yeah, I think it's too early to really tell. And I think that, you know, we've got, we only got a very small glimpse of Gray and Adira's relationship. So mm-hmm. I think that there's more to explore there. And obviously there will be because, as you said, Gray is now a force ghost, uh, <laughs> yeah. apparently. So... Um, yeah, I'm still, I'm still curious about what she didn't, what she didn't tell Michael that it, I don't know. And yeah, I've watched it and I've watched the episode twice and I still don't understand. So I do hope that they'll I mean, take a I little time. Just, I mean, my guess was just that she can see gray, you know, just okay. as yeah. gray was kind of like a normal person just walking around, you know? Right. Yeah. I was kind of assuming that's what, that's what they were referring to. But the um, way that they talk about yeah. that makes it seem like it happened before. You know what I'm saying? Like hmm. this, like gray appearing is the f- not the first time. Hmm. I might need to rewatch the episode because I don't really remember. I mean, the, sure yeah, we'll have to watch that ending again and just see if yeah. maybe Michael disappears first and then gray is left with Adira, but I could have sworn that Michael and Adira were still together as Gray kind of walked away and disappeared, but I could be wrong. Anyway, 
So, I mean, so that's, that's, we've talked a lot about the Adira gray trill storyline. Meanwhile, on discovery, we have this whole other. Oh yeah. There's all this other drama to this episode, right? Where. And that's actually how the episode opens. It opens with Dr. Culber kind of walking through the ship and he's like, people are not doing well. You know, yeah. he's to kind of recognize that. And I actually really liked, actually, um, personally, I actually liked, if we were to look at both storylines, I kind of liked that storyline a little bit more because this is actually one of the things that I was looking forward to them exploring this season. Right. which is the emotional consequences of them, you know, jumping to the future where everyone and everything that we've known before is different uh, or gone. So I really am glad that they kind of took the time to recognize that everyone is suffering from PTSD, essentially, um, particularly Detmer, who, in you know, in this case, she obviously not only not only experience the same thing that everyone else did, but she also feels this sense of responsibility that she was the one to actually pilot the ship into the wormhole and basically execute on this decision in some ways. So she feels this like this guilt that is eating away at her on top of the loss of everything else that everyone, that everyone else on the ship is also feeling. So I did think that this was, I really liked it. I mean, there was this like the awkward dinner scene. I was like, this is actually pretty awkward. Um, and I get kind of awkward in awkward situations. Um, but I actually did really like um, the extent to which they explored that trauma. Because I don't think that, I think DS, DS9 did this well, but not none of the other series have really done well the kind of like the psychological aspects of, you know, some of the choices that they make. Um, or, you know, I've, we talked about this before, like how, you know, in one episode, there's like, that's really traumatic. And then in the next episode, they're fine. You know, like, um, DS9 is really the only series where that's the lasting trauma is explored. Um, and this in here in discovery as well. So I was very happy that they kind of took the time to examine how it was affecting the crew. Um, but yeah, what did you think about that? Yeah, I really enjoy. I mean, it seemed like a family dinner, a typical family dinner. Uh, you know, I think the preamble to that, I think, was the relationship with Tilly and Stamets is complex. And mm -hmm. he was being a huge jerk to Tilly. And I have to give props. So if if we had seen this scene two years ago, two seasons ago, Tilly would have been a mess on the floor, a puddle. <laughs> That's true. And uh, you know, she, you know, people would have, have talked her out of the airlock, essentially. But here she stays really strong. And I have to say that I was really impressed with how how well. And then, you know, she calls them both assholes on in the dinner. Mm -hmm. um, which, you know, is absolutely true. I mean, both of them were being that way. Uh, you know, I, and I love Detmer because she is a, she, you know, she is a pilot. So that I like that little moment after later on where she's mm -hmm. talking to Culber and, you know, he's a, she's a pilot and she's macho and, and that makes sense. Uh, you know, and, 
And so two macho people fighting it out is, you know, seems pretty normal. But again, throw in the PTSD, the loss, mm-hmm. um, you know, she was injured coming back when they crash landed. So it was a lot going on. And um, so I really liked that piece of it. Uh, you know, yeah, it was just, the, the dinner was awkward. You know, there were some funny moments, uh, you know, Giorgio leaving, taking the wine, saying, oh, the wine was good. Yeah. And then takes the carafe with her, yeah. <laughs> which I thought was great. That was uh, an elaborate dinner, by the way. I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. You know, yeah, Linus was there. Linus was there. Pilsen or, yeah, Pilsen was there. Bryce and Reese were there. So, I mean, it was good to see the whole kind of bridge crew, the people that they worked closely with. Mm-hmm. Uh together at this family dinner i said this to you over slack i think but it's a big crew it's a big bridge crew um it's it was like 10 people or something 10 12 people there are a lot of stations on the discovery bridge i mean there really are i mean why yeah so it's like really large compared to other and i have to say that and i've said it before i love that about this show like it's this is this they are capitalizing on what made deep space nine so good was the fact that it was much more than the seven main stars right the secondary characters are actually what build out the world and make you believe that this is actually happening and Mm -hmm. and you kind of see the difference when you go back and watch next generation and you're just seeing the the same seven bridge crew Mm -hmm. being involved in things it's you know it's and everyone else, if they show up, it's like one episode or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, I think that they are really capitalizing. I think they've learned that. You know, I think the mm-hmm. same, I think next, I think Voyager had the same problem as, um, as Next Gen, where it didn't build out the. Well, at least we have Naomi Waldman. Thank God. But there were, you know, again, like we know, no, I know, but we, we have 88 crew members on discovery and we probably know a good quarter of them. You know, we've seen a good quarter of those, those characters. And I think that that's important to kind of see. And, you know, so I think that's really important. And I think that that's Mm -hmm. what makes this show special is that they are continually building out that, uh, that piece so you know they did it they started doing it last season they're continuing it even more this season Mm -hmm. i think it's great and i think that's what i love about this show so i think i think that this episode was a very full episode lots to digest and uh, lots to think about uh but also it was all again a you know for not quite as well written overall as episode three but definitely a standout episode as far as uh touching on trill society and adira and gray and michael uh you know michael did sort of take a back seat to this she was kind of the guide so this was a michael light episode i would say Mm -hmm. which is fine yeah which is fine (laughs) yeah yeah you know like i said it's usually the michael burnham show so i'm okay if she's not and i agree with you i agree with you you know she is number one on the call sheet but i think this is nice to give her a bit of a break. Um, uh, you know, obviously I like her shooting all the Trill who are trying to uh, attack them mm. and forcibly remove the symbiote, which was wrong. Um, 
so yeah i thought it was overall really uh really a solid episode and enjoyed it i can't think of anything else kind of outstanding Wait, we didn't even talk about uh the computer we did not i was just thinking about that yeah so yeah. we have uh zola zora zora zora, zora well is... not named in this episode but named in calypso the short track right yes and you actually so offline you had reminded me about that whole piece and how zora likes those old movies which is why yeah, this is what night, the... like from the mid 20th century for whatever yeah. reason black white movies early 20th Audrey century Hepburn, yeah like charlie chaplin yeah yeah whatever like yeah. i was like really i would not be enjoying this movie night like because i hate black and white movies not to mention black and white but also like was it silent like or did it they... was silent yeah oh i hate silent movies no thing well it was music i mean there was music but um but but yeah no no speaking yeah so yeah yeah it's interesting to to see zora kind of come to life uh and and actually we saw it but saru really didn't see it when the oh the monitor the monitors and behind him switched and and basically all the all the information from the sphere went basically and became the computer so yeah, and I mentioned this to you too. I actually really like that because the sphere data from season two was already showing some form of sentience. Right. Slash, you know, they, it was like protecting the ship somehow. So for it to kind of continue to grow and become integral to the discovery makes sense. It didn't just disappear, you know? Because yeah. I was like, yeah, like, what happened to the sphere data is, you know, where to go? What, what, what are we doing with it? You know, so it's still there and is now apparently doing stuff so here's my here's my prediction just thinking about this now i'm i'm thinking that somehow the discovery is not abandoned but left at the end of this season and that short trek is happens in between season three and season four that's my so all right, so I went back to I did not rewatch Club, so I went you did back not, to okay. the synopsis. Yeah. So the discovery in that particular episode has been not adrift, but it's been stationed like where the captain left it per the computer for a thousand years. So it's been actually abandoned for a millennia before no, so all right so i don't think i yeah I, no this was this is yeah it has been unattended for for a thousand years I, at least that's what the computer says okay i don't think it's been unattended for a thousand years i think it's because it would never have survived like a ship go I back all right well i'll have to go back i reread the memory alpha synopsis okay all right well i'll go back and i'll but i'll go back and watch it and see because i don't think i think the whole premise of the episode was a thousand years in the future from when this was which was in between season one and season two of discovery they did this episode and it was a thousand years in the future from no, that time frame. i mean I, at least okay i need to rewatch it maybe but there were actually things where it was the computer was like because Kraft, who is the the guy who the 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 discovery saves in the short, um, he wants to leave, and then Zora is like, "Well, there's like you know a warp capable shuttlecraft in the shuttle bay, but it hasn't been used in a thousand years, so I don't know if it's gonna be reliable or not." 
or something like that. I need to rewatch Calypso because I'm just basing this off of the Memory Alpha synopsis. Okay. Um, yeah. But There's I was some- like, uh, no, I was, I remember when I watched that short, I was like, oh, it's been a thousand years like since yeah. it's been attended to. No, I remember the promo saying a thousand years in the future. All right, let's both rewatch Calypso. And we'll both we'll we can, we'll talk we can about come it next back week together and discuss further. Yeah. All right. Anything else about episode four you want to chat on before we move on? Um. No. I. Uh, yeah. I'm. I'm curious. I'm just. You know. There are the unanswered questions about the computer. Um. Where Federation headquarters? You know. I, I think we're gonna see that next week. Maybe. Or it might get dragged out further. Who knows what is going on with Gray and Ajira and all that? And you know what is the what is the unexplained mystery there, and how they are both we're going to see more um, when it comes to both of those characters. When it comes to gender, like you know their gender mm-hmm. identities, whatever. You know, I'm interested to see how that all is explained or how that all pans out. Yeah, I think uh, I think next week we'll learn. Uh, they do find Federation headquarters. We obviously meet an admiral. I was in the promo, but uh, and they aren't exactly trusted, which is interesting. So we're gonna have to see see how this kind of plays out uh, next week. So I am interested to see uh, see what I think we'll learn a lot more about the burn next week. I think we'll get even further into the burn storyline, which. I can't remember which executive producer, whether it was Michelle Paradise or uh, Heather Caden said that this season of Discovery is all about the burn. So I think that there's, yeah. So that's the overarching kind of theme of this season. So uh, I'm hoping we'll learn a lot more about that, but I don't think that we'll have it obviously completely resolved next episode when they find the Federation headquarters. No way. They're going to get like bits and pieces, like the Red Angel. Yeah. No, yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah, and then drag it out until like the second and last or third to last episode for sure. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see where this kind of goes. But I, you know, I am glad that we are incrementally learning. Yes, I do, I do like that. So one of the things that I didn't love as much about season two is that sometimes it was because they were. I think they were trying to make it a little more episodic, right? Uh, because I think there were complaints that season one was too serialized. So they tried to make season two a little, you know, more standalone. But sometimes, like, there was the big, like, Red Angel mystery and the search for Spock. But sometimes I didn't really feel there was this momentum really pushing things forward. I was like, all right, I need to find Spock. Oh, he's not here. He's not here. You know, and oh, what was the Red Angel, these bursts, you know. But sometimes we weren't really getting this like forward, you know, momentum. But here for this season, I feel there's like a next step. It's like, all right, this the next episode we need to go here or do this or find this, you know. So I do think that that's one thing that I am liking about this season that we are kind of, you know, getting the story and it's kind of driving things forward. Yeah, I think. But you know, I also think that what's nice is that we're getting a lot of character development too. And I think that that is, they're focusing even more on character development. And then there's this question about the burn that's kind of, we're learning slowly about. So 
I think that the Red Angel was an frustrating last season because we kept on learning a lot, but there wasn't a whole lot of character development. Mm-hmm. You know, so whereas this time around, we're getting a whole lot of character development and we're getting, it's like the, they're learning, which I think is great. I mean, obviously this is the first of the new series uh, from that perspective. So they are learning each season what kind of to do and to do better and so i think that this whole idea of having an overarching thing but also digging deep into the characters is really important Mm -hmm. yeah for sure all right that was spilling the track for episodes three and four of discovery all right so should we move on to off topic let's talk some off topic All right, so Mike, what have you been watching, reading that's not Star Trek related? Well, it, the first thing that comes to mind is we've been watching, I started watching Community the other night. Oh yeah, you mentioned this to me. Yeah, and uh, so, so I'm funny. enjoying that. That's just a fun, you know, obviously sh- we finished Shit's Creek a few weeks ago, maybe mm-hmm. even a month ago, and uh, been looking around for a new series to kind of get into. And so I started watching Community one night last week and uh we're continuing to watch that during you know while we're eating dinner and chatting Mm -hmm. or whatever so um that's really fun i'm trying to think of anything else what else have i been watching uh you know i've been listening to some audiobooks uh mainly the chronicles of saint mary's kind of uh the time travel still Uh, yeah they, they have like 14 books so i listened to like two two more books during these last few weeks and um yeah i haven't other than really discovery i haven't watched a ton i i well uh, sorry totally forgot about something really big what mandalorian is back so yeah no i saw uh the the first episode yeah yeah so yeah yeah it's good uh the second episode's a little bit different um but yeah so we got the mandalorian so as i saw a post in uh camp ketimer which is trek geeks networks uh facebook group i did see a nice thing about it being a great time for people like myself who grew up with star wars and star trek kind of enjoying this renaissance of Mm -hmm. new stuff to watch so you know, where I'm in the midst of a Thursday new episode of Discovery for the next 10 weeks. And mm. Friday, you get a new episode of uh, Mandalorian for the next six or eight weeks. It's undetermined whether this ep- with whether this season is eight episodes or 10 episodes this season. So for Mandalorian. So we've got that. Uh, so, yeah, those are primarily what I've been watching. I've been watching a little bit of Star Wars in there as well. Uh finished watching empire strikes back then went back and i'm almost done with phantom menace so i'm just kind of playing you know jumping around and watching some different star wars stuff uh it's nice to have on the background and i don't really have to pay attention whereas i feel like if i'm watching voyager i can't really do work and watch voyager because sure i'll miss more but if i watch some old star wars stuff I can do work and just have it play in the background and just enjoy it for what it is. So, uh, yeah, that's primarily what I've been watching. I am excited about, I haven't, I have not caught up with, uh, I haven't watched the boys yet. Uh, and I think I'm avoiding the boys just a little bit because I think 
given the political and world environment that we've been living in, I didn't mm-hmm. really need that kind of added stress. It's sure. of that. So I needed some light fare, uh, which mm-hmm. is why community is fun to watch. But uh, I'm looking forward to his dark materials is coming back in a couple of weeks. We've got as you, you know, your favorite, and I, I know we'll be watching it too. Is uh, the Crown is coming? Yes. Back, uh, in a week or so. Yeah, a week. Yeah, from this, today. Yeah, I think the fifteenth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm very excited for the. So crown. we have the Crown coming back. We have uh, what else is going? His Dark Materials comes out either the fifteenth or sixteenth. I saw Wanda, a new Wanda Vision supposed to come out in December. Oh, is it okay? All yeah. right, that'll be right, interesting to watch. I don't think it's a date yet. And right. um, and there's something, some new BBC series that's coming out. I s- briefly saw, I, I kind of earmarked it in my head, but I didn't really watch it. I didn't have time to watch it. There's a some new sci-fi series coming out on BBC America oh, okay. in January. Um, I forget the name of it. So there's that. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I mean, I'm happy that there's still some new TV coming out. And I know that some production has kind of picked up. Uh, Discovery season four is under production. Yeah, I know. Uh, which is interesting because that's in production, but Picard season two is not in production. Yeah. Uh, so, and also I think we're kind of keeping under wraps uh, section 31. Who knows? Uh, we don't know what's going on with Prodigy. I'm really hoping that that next year. Yeah. Sure. Well, I'm hope I'm really hoping that we won't have maybe I'm hoping that maybe Prodigy will come up after uh Discovery finishes. No way. It's there's gonna be a break. Okay. All right. No, no, gonna I, I'm I'm trying to have a little hope here. Because <laughs> I feel like in January we might need some distraction. Yeah, we'll, see, we'll see what their what the pandemic takes us and also Let's also see how the transfer of power goes in January. True. Yeah. See, so um, that's why I'm saying yeah. that we need some hope, some distraction. We need some distraction. Yeah. So I am very, very excited for the crown. I've you rewatched are. the both the teaser trailer and the full trailer like <laughs> three, four times each. Wow. Uh, yeah. I mean, I. I wrote a book report on Margaret Thatcher when I was in grade school. So I love Margaret Thatcher, the Iron Lady. Do you still um, have a copy of that book? Report I don't know. Somewhere? I mean, it's probably somewhere, but I don't know. Like, you know, she was very divisive, but, you know, she was a strong female leader. You know, like, I think one of the interesting things that I'm sure they're going to, you know, explore is that. Margaret Thatcher and the Queen's relationship, it was, it was like, you know, not much is really known about it. They were civil, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure they're going to play up like a bit of conflict because the whole thing, not, this is not a podcast about the crown, but obviously one of the biggest challenges that Elizabeth really had to come to grips with when she transitioned to Queen is the amount of influence she actually is able to employ, right? In terms of policy, um, and what she's actually able to do because the crown is supposed to be just a symbol, right? But she can't actually influence policy. She can't do anything. And, you know, for many seasons, that, that's that been a central theme, like her kind of struggling with, you know, what she feels is right, but then what she actually needs to abide by. And this 
applies to her country, her family, right? Um, like what's right versus what her duty is. But Margaret Thatcher as a prime minister is actually able to administer policy. And you have these two strong women who have strong opinions. One is a symbol and one is an actual like executor of policy, right? So I just, I just think there's so much potential for drama there. I'm very excited. Um, and obviously we also get Princess Diana. Okay, this is again, not a podcast about the crown. But it's off topic though, so this is totally fine. We but do have- Princess Diana, like I don't remember the name of the woman they cast in that role, but she is like perfect. I don't I don't know where they they I don't know where they found her. Like my God, like she is perfect for the role, the way that she moves and the way that she you know her the way that obviously we I, we haven't really heard her talk much yet, but just like the way that she presents herself physically is just so on point. I'm like, oh my God, that's like Princess Diana right there. Well, younger Diana didn't really say a lot. If you remember, she's very quiet. So she doesn't necessarily have to. But but just like, you know, the way she carries herself. I was like, this is perfect. And I I love Julie Anderson. So I'm very, very excited for this season of The Crown. Um, Anyway, (laughs) yes. I'm also watching The Mandalorian as I mentioned, but only one episode of the season. And I thought it was fine. Um, you know, The Mandalorian, it's not very like, it's one of those shows I feel is easy to pick up, easy to watch. It's not like, you know, it's not like deep philosophical. It's, you know, it's just enjoyable. It's a way, um, I mean, it's a space Western essentially with, yeah, you know, good way to put it. In, a, in a greater Star Wars universe. Yeah. Uh, um, I still need to finish The Boys. That's been on back burner because I stopped midway. It, I did not like how Amazon is doing the, um, like the, the you know, now they're doing like the, the week by week release. This is what they're doing now. And honestly, it's, it's not my favorite because I'm like, oh, I have to wait. And then I just forget to watch it. And then before you know it, you know, you haven't, you, you stop watching at some point. And then we have The Expanse coming back in December, I believe. Oh, really? Oh, awesome. Yeah. Great. So I'm also very excited for The Expanse season five. Five. Um, and I think shit goes down this season because I know a little bit about the books. So I'm very excited for The Expanse and where that's going. Excellent. I didn't know that. And, um, uh, I'll then, go back and watch season four again. And then I have been binging on Netflix the Queen's Gambit. So good. It is so good. You should watch it. Everyone's wow. talking about that. It is really good. I, I read like a couple good reviews. I was like, all right. You know, it's like, it's period, which I like. Um, chess, I'm not really into chess, but I'm like, all right, let's give it a shot. I watched five episodes last night. I was up until 4.30 a.m. It was so, it's so good. I'm going to finish it today, actually. It's only seven episodes, but it's really good. It's really well done. Again, Netflix like threw them a bunch of money, and it looks like it looks amazing. Great cinematography, great sets. Um, but I really wonder how Netflix yeah. is doing this. They're really spending a lot of money. And- I don't know. I don't know where they get this money from, and they're just able to throw it. And this, I think, is just like a limited series. I don't think it's like you know, I don't think it's like supposed to be like a ongoing series. Um, but they're like, sure, just spend all the money, you know, make it look like the 50s and 60s. And like, wow, it's like, you know, they, they just do such a great job with it. So um, I highly recommend it to you and our listeners. 
it is really good. It like really drew me in and I was just, I, I just I had to force myself to stop watching. So very good, it's very good. Um, I think that is pretty much it. I'm still working my fish tank. Some video games here and there. Oh yeah, so two podcast episodes ago, I talked a little bit about The Last of Us Part Two, and I talked extensively about it and you know, some of the storylines, whatever. But one thing I totally forgot to mention and even broach is that Ian Alexander <laughs> is a major character in the game. And he's also a transgender character in the game. And that's actually a big plot point. Um, and it's actually gotten a little bit of pushback because his, so as I understand it, some people are not fans of the character because the um, his like coming out and then his, um, his, his, his base, basically, the process in which he comes and and comes to terms with his own gender identity, but then also um, sh shares it with his community is one that is very traumatic. Um, so I think a lot of people in the LGBTQIA plus community reacted negatively negatively to this because they're like, well, that's very stereotypical, like, you know, that it's, it's trauma, you know, trauma is being associated with um, this process of them identifying as transgender. I did not um, see it that way. It was not, I like in the game, the story around his, his he, he changed his name, he shaved his hair um, to basically signify that he identified as male. Um, I didn't really see it as, and he definitely goes through some trauma because of that, but I didn't necessarily see it as being associated with trauma, but more one where he was taking control of his own story. Um, so I actually really liked his story, but I could see why some people react negatively um, to his character. But in any case, I totally forgot. I'm not going to go into, this is not a Last of Us Part Two podcast, so I don't want to go into it too much. But yeah, I totally forgot to talk about that. Whoops. Um, but I did think that he did a great job. So, great. And maybe someday you'll yeah. be able to ask him about it. Because I think that maybe, would be... Maybe. Yeah. yeah. If he uh, decides to drop by this podcast, I will definitely have questions for him. Um, but yeah. So great. that's really it for me when it comes to off topic. Okay. Well, uh, should we just take a couple minutes and walk down to Deanna's office and say hi? Yeah. Let's do it. Let's dish with Deanna. Come in. Hi. You got a minute? Sure. Cool. So, yeah, Mike, what has been going on with you? You know, I don't think, you know, I don't think I have a lot of updates since uh, since the last one we shared with our uh, with our audience, which was just a few days ago for us. Uh, but um, yeah, I, I don't. I'm trying to think of anything that really comes up other than, you know, obviously the election results were a mm -hmm. huge part of our last week of life. Um, True. That did kind of suck the air out of the room. It for, certainly it did. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think for us, we've, it's been nice. We've had sort of a week off from uh, dealing with Dennis's mom. 
Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, with his brother in town taking care of his mom, that has been a nice, um, it's great. That's good. Uh, yoke off our back for a little time. Mm -hmm. Um, so things feel a little more normal. Uh, so that's, that's good, uh, for us. Uh, work's been super busy and we'll be right up until, uh, for about the next two weeks. Okay. And then, um, yeah, I'm pretty much going to be off most of Thanksgiving week, which will be nice. Ooh, lucky you. Yeah. Um, what are you guys but, planning to do for Thanksgiving week? Do you have any plans? No. So, yeah, I, you know, I, I'm interested because uh, I've, I've seen some articles about how to make smaller portions, right? Mm-hmm. For a uh, smaller Thanksgiving, which, uh, you know, I think is what we'll do for sure. Um Maybe we'll see what some random, not random, but friends are doing. Um, but, you know, uh, we haven't really thought thought that far ahead. You know, I think it's soon. It is. Soon. You know, it's, it's it's three weeks away. I mean, it's not it seems soon, but it is, a, you know, it is pretty far away in terms of all the time that we've been through we still have a ways to go to get to Thanksgiving. And, and I know that because I have several major work events coming up that I have weeks that I am. Yeah. So, you know, it's, I'm telling you that half a week before Thanksgiving is going to be great. Cause I will have gotten through two to three major projects and events. Yeah. That's great. Uh, so I am looking forward to a break. So, um, yeah, uh, that's so. I, I need to get through these next two weeks of work, really, mm-hmm. to to kind of. Um, and they're going to be they're going to be very busy. So, um, so yeah, I, you know. But other than that, I think life is it's feeling pretty, pretty normal now. I mean, I started when we talked the, a couple a couple of days ago to share an update with our audience. I mean, it was, you know, things. I was starting to feel normal, and I do feel mostly normal now. Uh, so, you know, hopefully that kind of continues. I, I definitely Saturday's news helped. Mm-hmm. Uh, so less to worry about necessarily in the world right now. And now we can just kind of get back to, uh, focusing on, on other things, but it's going to be super busy for work. So I, I you know, that's going to be the, the test of the next two weeks. Cause I'm producing two pretty major events. So um, but what about you? What uh, I know you you had a busy weekend. I did, yeah. So as some of our listeners know, I shared this in my last podcast. My parents they had some issues recently, so I have been helping them out. So this past weekend, I went to visit them and just to get some stuff done, some paperwork done. Um, they're doing better, I would say. Uh, overall, I feel their spirits are up a little bit more. I think that it was good for them to see me. So there's always that. Um, yeah, I think that overall, I you know, I think they're in a better place. I, I don't think I'm going to see them next weekend. Um, but maybe like, but then Thanksgiving's right around the corner. So I'm going to be seeing them again really soon. Um, otherwise, I feel things are okay. I feel that work is busy which is good so that's keeping me occupied and 
yeah, social events are also keeping me occupied, which is good. I do, I have been thinking a little bit more about how the pandemic and everything has kind of affected some of my friendships, particularly in cases where there are people who have different levels of comfort when it comes to, you know, gathering together, um, eating together, hanging out. There are people that I haven't seen in months because they're more cautious than I am. Meanwhile, you know, I'm having you people over, you know, like uh, things like that. Uh, meanwhile, yeah, there are some friends I haven't seen in months because you know, they're just being a lot more careful, uh, whether it is because they're just a little bit more, they're, they're a little more concerned about the pandemic. Um, and even the idea of eating out doesn't feel very safe. Um, in some other cases, I just have friends that, um, you know, they have kids, you know, and they're just, they're more cautious, justifiably. Yeah. Um, but similarly, I haven't seen some of these people since March, February, March, you know, um, I think, and... it is, I think it is interesting to see the wide variety of people because, you know, I, and not to, I, you know, you can continue in your update, but I, I just wanted to share, like, you're, you're talking about the people who are overly cautious and, you know, I'm actually struggling right now. I, I see one of my friends on Facebook and, you know, someone I know, who's really, who's going to these more populated parties mm -hmm. where 20 or 30 people are like crammed into an apartment. And I'm, you know, I'm thinking, what the heck? Right. Like, uh, that is definitely not, that's totally outside of my comfort zone. I mean, right. we, Dennis and I talk about walking down the street and if it's crowded or, you know, on restaurant row on 46th street, we went there. Yeah. It's very that crowded. feels crowded. And it's I was very, like, very this crowded. doesn't like the last night when we went out to dinner, like we walked down there to just see what we may have wanted to eat. And yeah. it's, you know, he thought it was super crowded. I thought, well, it's crowded, but it's not super crowded. Like it's not uncomfortably crowded. It's not filled, but right. it's just like, there are so many different, levels and layers to this so yeah. you know and you know I'm, I'm not even necessarily saying they're being overly cautious i'm saying that you know they have different levels of caution than i do right um and sensitivity and just awareness than i do um i definitely have my certain levels of comfort like even to what you're saying like 46th Street Restaurant Row, when I first turned that corner, the first time that we went there, I was like, oh my God, it was like so crowded. Yeah. Um, it, was, it was like, you know, jam-packed with people. Um, so I do think that it has been very interesting to kind of see how these people, like, you know, these friends, these people, these friends have these different levels of comfort and how that has actually affected our friendships um, in terms of what we do together, how we see each other or not see each other. Uh, I'm just so over like Zoom catch-ups sometimes. Like it's just like, you know, or FaceTime catch-ups or house party catch-ups. It's just, and not to say I don't like to see my friends, but there is this like cumulative tiredness of 
work Zooms and friend Zooms. And it's just, and it's not any one person in particular, you know, because I was saying this to a friend, it's like, it's not you, it's just, it's everything, you know, um, where I just feel so tired of catching up with people over Zoom um, that, but at the same time for some of these friends, if I don't participate in the Zoom, I'm not gonna see them. You know, I'm, there's no way for me to catch up with them. Um, so yeah, I've just been thinking about just um, that a little bit more because there have just been some people that I have not been talking to as much as I used to um, because of the pandemic. And it's actually changed the nature of our friendships a little bit. Um, I mean, I would hope that once there's a vaccine and things are quote unquote back to normal, whenever that's gonna be like, you know, we can kind of go back to how things were, but I don't know, you know, I don't know what that's going to look like. So yeah, and who knows when that's going to even be given the seriously increasing numbers right and now. And who knows how effective the vaccine is? Like what if it's like not a hundred, like a lot of vaccines are not a hundred percent effective. Well, what if know? it's like the flu shot and you have to get it every six months or if whatever. You get every six months, know? if it's 50% effective against right. the flu, you know, yeah. who knows? Right. Um, so it's, I, I don't it know. Started, it's, yeah, yeah. We, it's I think so much, we uh, uncharted territory that, but I, I don't know. For this past week, I've definitely been thinking about that more. I think there was just like a few, um, it, it was because I had to write like these birthday notes to a couple of friends and it made me reflect on how our friendships have actually changed over the past year. Um, and yeah, it's just been, it's been interesting. So, yeah, I mean, I definitely have lost touch with some people. No, yeah. uh, for sure. I, yeah, I think it's a, it's definitely, you know. And I've gotten closer to people that are, that have a similar level of comfort as me. Like, you know, like you and Dennis, for example, because we, we have similar, I think it's around a similar area where we're cautious and not too cautious, you know, like big crowds were, we weren't a little bit like, no, thank you but a small gathering or eating outside spot, you know, like, so yeah. because we're on a similar level, I've honestly gotten closer to you guys um, while I've gotten more distant from some other friends, honestly, because we're just not able to do the same things. Yeah. So it's just been a very interesting time. Yeah. I've definitely lost touch with some people who are overly cautious and then other people, you know, yeah, that I might've seen occasionally that I don't, um haven't seen in a really long time and haven't really talked to so it's uh that much all that much so it's it's kind of hard and i agree with you like you get you zoom fatigue is definitely something it's 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 not it's not made up it's you know people are tired of being on their screens in front of their laptops or computers you know when you're doing it all day long and uh yeah especially when you know, you're when we're still a great many of us are still working remotely. And so mm-hmm. our level of human interaction is so different, uh, so much lower. I mean, you know, it's, uh, you know, the most interaction I get during the week, most of the time is like my walk five minutes to the coffee shop and back, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's not really, there's not any interaction other than saying thank you. They're behind plexiglass. I, you know, I usually pre-order ahead of time. So I'm literally walking in and walking out. Right. Um, 
but and then you, you know it's not like i know people who are hanging around in the you know it's just yeah it's a different time and i you know yeah i would agree like you have to you you find people that you're equally comfortable at mm-hmm. the same level of comfort with but then you have you know you have other people who are very different i had some i still have some friends who are very overly cautious and are only meeting with even now or within the last month or so or two just have started doing smaller group meetings but up until then they went like six months without doing anything that's intense yeah yeah so i you know i think you know on some on some levels i i wonder if the virus is the virus's potency is less now um even though the numbers are increasing um but, you know, again, it's just, uh, you, we don't know because we don't have any central force kind of driving the information. You know, we don't have any, we don't, we don't have, a, yeah, there isn't any leadership in this area. You know, mm-hmm. New York was a leader early on and had daily briefings. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, you know, even, you know, I still get occasional updates from, from that. And, and it's mainly numbers. It's not anything about like what the future is going to look like. Right. Right. So it's really hard to, hard to say, you know, and uh, you know, work is work is staying remote probably through, you know, next September at the earliest. Yeah. That's so, you know, I, you know, it's just, it's hard to, uh, hard to say you know my my interactions are mainly through a screen or with dennis Mm -hmm. are you in person for dinner or you know a few of our other friends but that's it right it's just you know and when you're in the grocery store or at a cvs or whatever you're not talking to other people you're not there no you're 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 not having a human interaction in fact they might as well just be holograms like seriously you know like and i use self-checkout so i'm not even interacting with with uh with a human to to check me out most most of the time so it's just it's a different world that we're living in and yeah i think uh you know it's uh it's hard it's challenging um so again i think that having leadership in this area will be really helpful. Yeah. But we have 70 plus days left of, of not having leadership in that area. So, um, you know, and increasing numbers, really, really bad numbers, like, which, you know, I don't, we don't see here in the news, in the news. And I mean, I don't read a ton of news, but what little news I read, it's, just numbers yeah it's not so good. it's uh yeah so yeah i mean who knows what uh you know here's the here's hoping that 2021 will just be <laughs> a different world i'm ready for 3188 are you we yeah. had this discussion before and you said yeah. no i don't want to go so far and it, yeah it's, no it's true yeah. i think the i i do think that the you're going back on what you said er, before at a previous offline conversation where you're yeah like, i i do think that 2380s is the ideal sweet spot but i mean earth in 3188 seems okay hey yeah you know they're not they're, they're not caring about the people on titan apparently uh but who the fuck cares about titan it's so far well, yeah, I mean, also, you know, they left Earth years and years and years before. Yeah, by Felicia's. And, and, but also didn't communicate, like, 
stay connected so i mean that's an interesting piece of yeah self-dependence no problem i mean not yeah, as far as, you know, 3188, 3189 looks uh, looks uh, all right on Earth. On Earth, at least. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. not if you're like, you know, traversing the galaxy, I guess. Right. That, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I'm OK. I'm an indoor person. I, I don't need to, like, you know, <laughs> travel the whole quadrant, you know. Dilithium is not really a concern. Please, if we had a starship, we would be going all over the place. I mean... I think, I mean, we would so not be we a school I, drive and we can instantly get there like instantaneously. That'd be nice because sometimes it takes a while to oh, get yeah. from one place to another, even with warp, you know? Yeah. You know, space is vast and honestly really empty. So honestly, yes. I probably start complaining about how boring it is. Yes, you probably would. Yeah. You're correct. Yeah. We, you know, I, yes, you're right. We do need to, to sport drive. Uh, sport sport drive. Drive we need the sport drive yep yeah because yeah. i can't wait like sometimes it's like you know i have noticed this on deep space nine sometimes they'll be like this is gonna take a week and i'm like what and the whole episode takes place over a week like there were, do you remember this one episode where um quark, quark is quark and um odo they get stuck on this planet and they need to traverse this mountain to carry like this communication device up this mountain and they're and odo is like humanoid form so we can't like shape shift so they're both like starving and like dehydrated do you remember this episode vaguely maybe vaguely i remember this so, episode. this episode actually um you know i, I feel dsn i mentioned dsn because i feel dsn is really good at doing this um the whole the whole premise is that odo is taking quark to this court but the trip on this runabout is going to take 10 days because this court is so far. Um, so it's like seven days in and their sh ship, their runabout crash lands on this planet. But they always are very good about saying like this trip is going to take like a week because space is so big, you know, but usually you don't, you don't really get that on, you know, some of the, like Voyage, like Voyage are fine, like 75 years to get back to the Alpha Quadrant. But usually on TNG or like, you know, even enterprise, they don't usually say like, oh, this trip is going to, it's going to take like a week to get from this spot to this spot, you know? I mean, I, I'll, I'll, I mean, you're more I'll recently, be complaining so much. Yes, I know if you would be. You and me in a runabout for like oh, 10 gosh. days. Can you imagine? I'll be, and there's not, there's no holodeck on a runabout. Meanwhile, Odo is just reading for 10 days. Quark is going crazy because it's bored. I'll be Quark. I'll be like, what are we doing? What is, what did, did Odo go into his bucket while he was on this no, trip? No, so this is when he was hum a humanoid. Like, he couldn't shape oh, the boundaries, okay. like, the way his ability to shapeshift. Oh, okay, got it. Yeah, okay. so it was, like, that one season where he couldn't do it. Okay, all right, got it. Okay. Interesting, so, yeah. I mean, well, and runabout I, is not that big. No, That's it's definitely like, not. No, it's like a... Runabout for 10 days. Oh, it's like a Winnebago. It's like a Winnebago, essentially. It's like an RV. Yeah. Like, um, but going back to Enterprise really quickly, and you watched it more recently, but I felt like Enterprise made it feel like, based on being only able to go warp five, warp five. that things took longer. So it they did, did spend did, a lot. It did do that, but DS9 is very noble, and sometimes they would be like, "This is going to take like literally ten days." Like they were mm -hmm. very specific sometimes about how long the journey would okay. take. And I'm like, oh my God, that is yeah. a long ass time. Yep. 
No, it um, is. You're right. But you're right. Enterprise did do that once in a while. But I noticed because I rewatched all of DS9 this year. That was right in March, March, April, May. Yeah, you did. Yeah. Um, and now you're watching. Now you're almost now done watching, with Enterprise. I, I did notice that in DS9, they 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 were very good about actually like kind of quantifying the distance okay. uh, between locations, especially runabout, which honestly, how I don't know what the maximum warp speed is, but give me a break. I don't know. I don't think it, you know, I don't think it's great. <laughs> it's not great. I don't think it can do warp eight. No. Um, but in any case, I don't, I don't know how we got to this point. Well, past. well, we're, I mean, we're, we're not, you know, we were talking about, you know, how idyllic 3189 earth looks like. Oh yes. Yes. We wouldn't necessarily want to travel around the galaxy in 3189 because yeah. it would be slow unless we had a spore drive. But we could teleport around the planet, you know, and that's pretty good. Yeah, personal transporters. I would love a personal transporter. Are you kidding yeah. me? Could we have personal transporters right now? That'd be I great. Like, I remember some like privacy issues. Yeah, yeah. Like warp, like transport in while you and Dennis are getting some alone time, you know? <laughs> but I want to be there, but. Yeah, right. Yeah, you know, I get you. Yeah, yeah. In any case, In I any think that, case. Does it, that about does it for this week's episode. Yes. So if you'd like to comment, share your thoughts, or give us any feedback, you can reach us at deepspacepride at gmail.com. Or you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at deepspacepride. And we'd love to hear from you. Uh, we, we got a first comment back a little while ago which was really nice so we thank you for that uh and yeah please share your comments and we'll be back next week talking about episode five of discovery until then we'll see you goodbye everyone Deep Space Pride is a production of Coconut Media Works. Executive producers Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. For more great Star Trek discussion, discover the other shows of the Trek Geeks podcast network at trekgeeks.com or find us in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app.